0: It's clear the unthinkable is here. Our most trusted institutions now deceive us boldly every day. Something is clearly wrong. Time is short to become more self-reliant and secure the future for your family. Act today with My Patriot Supply. They just gave us a very good deal again to help everyone save big. And right now, it's $200 off. They brought it back to at least finish out November. My Patriot Supply, the country's largest preparedness company, is more than equipped to stock your shelves. Their best-selling three-month emergency food kit provides delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners that last up to 25 years in storage. Get over 2,000 calories every day. Just add water and heat, then eat. Make sure every member of your family has a three-month food kit from My Patriot Supply. Go now to my special website, preparewiththinkaboutit dot com, for two hundred dollars savings. Be sure to order by three p.m. for free day, same day shipping. It's best to have emergency food and not to need it than to need it and not have it. Take two hundred dollars off at preparewiththinkaboutit dot com. That's prepare with dot com. Satan plays an enormous role in religion. Find out if Satan has infiltrated your church. Evil is closer than you think. Is your church really teaching you the plain truth that Jesus Christ taught? The spirit world is real and it's engaged in a battle for your mind. Hi, Steve here. I've been showing you more news that reflects the end time prophecies than ever before. Things are finally being exposed like never before which is actually a sign of the last days, just like the angel told Daniel. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will roam about and the earth will be filled with unrighteousness. Every man, every woman on this earth is serving either the Lord God or the devil. Many who believe they're serving God are not. Many who think they're saved are believing wrong doctrines and teachings from demons instead of what the Bible says. Many people will not let the Bible get in the way of what they believe, and so they're lost as well. And then there are many people who believe a false gospel, one that Jesus never taught. There really are four types of people who have believed in God, but only one of them, one type, is bearing fruit. He said to the crowds, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell alongside the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky patches where there was not much soil. It sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun rose up, the young plants were scorched, and since their roots were not deep, they dried up. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, but others fell into rich soil and produced grain, a hundred or sixty or thirty times as much as had been sown. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. But the problem is, even so-called believers may be serving the devil and not even understand that they are. Jesus later on explained what all those different people are And he explained it to his disciples and explained exactly what he was talking about for most people i think they fall into the third category they fall into the category of the cares of this life and the lure of wealth i think this is what we see and what's happened to our government the lure of wealth and jesus said you cannot serve god and mammon which is another word for money or almost making money, the God of your life. On August 3rd, 1979, Howard Pittman was determined to be dead in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. At that time, he had an out-of-body experience where angels took him to the spiritual world, the second heaven, where he was allowed to see many things. As a result of that experience, he wrote 15 books and did 27 audios, all dealing with that experience and outlining the many things he was allowed to see and the many things he heard. But the most amazing thing about his testimony is how few people who think they're Christians will actually be going to heaven. You need to listen to this because it may be the difference between you being ashamed when you stand before God and entering into eternal joy.
1: That morning I got up, I wasn't sick, wasn't different from any other morning. I was slightly nauseated because of sinus problems i had sinus problems for years, and this is sinus country. I skipped breakfast and went to town and, uh, to keep my appointment. And when I arrived at the bank, my niece, who worked in the bank, looked out through the plate glass window. She saw me coming. I got out of my car and went across the street. And she got up from her desk and came to the door to greet me. With one hand, she opened the door, and others reached out to greet me. As I stepped in the door, I dropped to my knees. And she grabbed me, what's the matter? I said, I don't know, all of a sudden I just lost my strength. Something's wrong with me, I canceled my appointment, I'm going back home. I turned around, went back to my car and sat down. That's when the pain hit me. Like a mule would keep me in the midsection and consume my entire body. So all I could think of was go home, go home. I was within a mile of the hospital. But I didn't go to the hospital. Instead, I started up my car and I started home. About halfway, uh, I live 11 miles from the bank then. About halfway home, I suddenly stopped breathing. I felt as though my clothes were literally smothering me to death. I brake my car right in a stop in the middle of a busy highway. And I felt that my clothes were smothering me. And I started just trying to tear out of them. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I realized I had panicked. And when I forcefully calmed myself down, I could breathe. With difficulty, but I could breathe. And I knew I was growing weaker because I was hemorrhaging massively. I was able to start my car, and I made it the rest of the way home. When I got there, <clears throat> no one was home wife was going somewhere. The kids was all going to school. But I struggled to get out of the car. Can't, everything's kind of hazy about how long it took me to get out of the car. I just can't. But anyway, I made it in the house and fell on the floor right inside. I hadn't been there very long till she came in. My wife came in. One look, she recognized the gravity situation. She got me up back out into the car, and rushed me into the town, to the very town I just came from, right up in the family clinic. And just as she parked, one of the doctors pulled in here, parked right in front of us. Well, she ran around, opened the door, and tried to pull me out of the car. By that time, I was so weak I couldn't even lift my hand. I'd lost so much blood. And when she pulled on me, I literally fell out of my car on my face. And the doctor stepped out of his car. He saw this. He rushed over to give eight. <clears throat> One look, he knew I was already in shock. Now, they didn't know what had happened to me because I was in shock, but he knew that I was in shock. Later on, they told me what had happened. There is a main artery that runs across the back of the stomach. An ulcer had formed on that artery, well, they called it silent because it gave me no symptoms. And it had slowly eaten away the wall of that artery until it ballooned out. They call that aneurysm. It just kept on ballooning out till it reached a place that the wall was so thin. The day I stepped in the hospital, I mean in the bank door, it had reached the place the wall was so thin it couldn't withstand the pressure, the heartbeat. It just popped like you popped a balloon. And that was the massive hemorrhage. Well, they, rushed, they called an ambulance. They rushed me from the uh, local hospital, from local clinic, family clinic, to the local hospital. They kept me there overnight. The next morning, three times during the night, they brought me out of shock. The next morning, my doctor came in and said, we've got to move you. We've got to have more equipment. We've got to have more skilled technicians. We've got to have them in a hurry. So we're going to send you to the... Uh, Regional Medical Center at Macomb, Mississippi. They put me in an ambulance, hooked me up to all that machinery, assigned my wife, allowed my wife to go with us, assigned a paramedic to attend to me, and we took off post haste. Nineteen miles before we reached that hospital, I lost consciousness. I passed into a world of darkness. I mean, it was so dark that there's no words and the human language did to describe crossing the veil. <clears throat> but I passed out in this darkness. I felt, I really felt abandoned all alone. First time I'd ever experienced that kind of darkness. There was no light. And then all of a sudden I saw something that come right out of the top of that darkness. And it was like a, a, a tape that was just twirling around like this as it come down. You, you ever seen those confederate, confederate confederate parades in New York where they throw that confederate out the window and just twirls down? That's what the thing looked like, a single one. And, it came, and I watched it. It came all the way down right in front of me. I can't tell you how I saw it because I saw it with no light. No light at all. It's total darkness. But I saw this thing, just like this tape. It comes right in front of my eyes and turns just like that three times. And every time it turns, I'm reading it. It's a verse of Scripture, Hebrew chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto all men wants to die after this to judgment. It is appointed unto all men wants to die after judgment. Three times that thing turned and three times I read it when I realized then this was God's way of supernaturally revealing to me that I had met my appointed time to die. We all know we got dying. But you know, being human, we have dealt with that. We dealt with it in our subconscious. Actually, in reality, we look at death, physical death, at something that happens to others. It don't happen to others. We just put it out of our mind and keep going. But didn't it drive us crazy? We just put it out of our mind and keep going. But when you come to the realization that it's not others, it's you, it takes on a whole new perspective then. I didn't want to die. I left home to win an election, not to die. To uh, die would be total defeat. So I prayed a very short and pointed prayer. I asked God to extend my life. I was familiar with the fact that he had a precedent in his word for extending life because he extended Hezekiah's life for 15 years. And I knew that, so I asked him to extend my physical life. And then that's when I had the first ever supernatural encounter. Out of that vast darkness came the most beautiful voice I've ever heard in my life. There's no music created that would in any way mimic the beauty of that sounding of that voice. As the voice spoke to me, the voice said to me, stop, no more pain, peace, rest, security, all that you've ever wanted, just don't breathe. I'm breathing by willpower at that point. Every breath, it took all the strength I could get in. And when I got into area, it took all the strength I had to get it out. I'm breathing by willpower. And he's telling me, stop, don't breathe. And my spirit was saying to me, listen, God speaking, God speaking. He said, don't breathe. And then I got, to, I got to try to shut it down, what I'm doing. And then the realization hit me as though I screamed as loud as I could in my spirit. No, what am I doing? I just asked God to extend my life. Don't breathe, I'm going to die. You are not God. With that exclamation, Satan fled from me. So
2: this voice, you had just asked the Lord to spare your life, and a beautiful voice said, just let go.
1: Yeah, but look what he said. Listen, you see, just what he said tells what I'd been taught on my security. Security. That's what Baptists teach. Once you save, you save forever, no matter what. That's what they teach. Security. And he used that on me right away. The first thing he used, security, peace, rest, all you've ever wanted, just stop breathing. There in the valley of death at the door, he lied to me. He told me he was God. He couldn't kill me. He had to get me to kill myself. You better know the spirit that speaks to you. We're all going to come to that same place. I call it the veil. The veil is, is not in this world, and it's not in the other world. It's the door between the two. We've all got to go that way. Christians refer to it as crossing Jordan. It's when we pass from this life to the life to come. Once you cross that veil, flesh and blood can't cross it. It can't cross it. So that's when the angels took my spirit out of my body. And we went from darkness to light just like that, out of darkness into light and crossed the veil. I was on the other side. The first thing they brought me to see was a verse of Scripture being acted out like a stage play. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, word cruel, powers, word cruel, rulers of the darkness of the world, the menagerie of our enemy. There was this, looked like a long table with all these beings sitting around. The devil himself is sets it in. And all these spirits are princes that operate the principalities of the dark world. That's where the warfare plans for spiritual war is actually designed and planned. Satan does nothing without plan. He plans everything. Everything is planned. It's right down to the... <clears throat> so... Let me show you how it works. Every one of those people, uh, not people, spirits sitting at that table, had a principality, he has divided the world into principalities, territories. Over these territories, he puts a prince. Each prince is given as many demon spirits as he needs to carry out his plan for that principality. You take some continents might be one principality because there's no threat to the kingdom of darkness. Where there's no threat, no major threat to the kingdom of darkness, one prince could handle a whole continent, let But America is many principalities. There's many threats. Even down to an individual could be a principality, depending on what the threat is. But this is how that thing works. As I watched it, <clears throat> they let me see part of a plan that really shook me up because I knew about the plan. I call it a skeleton. It was just an outline, and it was the same identical outline that John was able to see, and he wrote about it in Revelation uh, chapter 13, beginning at verse 7 through 9, and this really shook me up. Revelation, let me get to it. I want to read that. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Revelation 13, 7 through 9. The master plan to capture the world, to capture the church. That's why we've got cotton candy religion today. What is cotton candy religion? Hot air. Doctrines of demons, Paul called. Doctrines of demons are being expounded from the pulpits of so many churches today. He's captured the church, what he said he was going to do, and he's done it. He's already got it. When they brought me, first, they let me see this guy. That's the first thing I saw was this this outline. They let me see that. So John the Baptist wrote about it because I was very weak on spiritual warfare. I'm Southern Baptist. You know, we didn't have too much teaching in that area. Then, in fact, I'd I'd never heard but one sermon in my entire life that ever mentioned the devil. And uh, that was when I was 12 years old, and it scared the devil out of me. So that's when I first came to the church, you see. And then no more. Even in the seminary, he was never mentioned. Didn't mention the devil, didn't mention the demons or anything. It was the ministry of the children that first opened my eyes as we brought these children into our home. Most of them had been used, misused, abused. Uh, for instance, the last girl, the last child they brought into our home, state rescued her that day. She was locked up in a cage with a cat. She's only 18 months old, this little girl, and that uh, she—the only thing that they said that she'd had to eat for that solid week was a drop- of that cat. And that demon-possessed individual that had that little girl got his jollies off by putting his lighted cigarettes out on the bottom of her feet. You ought to have seen her feet. You see, these, this is not human. Something beyond humanity had to do that. This is not human. And and uh, it was those children, how they had been abused, misused, neglected, and all of them was crying for help. And they came to my house, expecting me to help them, and I was the least prepared person in the world I had no training in spiritual war at all I didn't even know but as I looked at the I knew that there was a force out there far greater than I knew about and that's the first thing God took me to see he educated me quickly he showed me how this is done by design how spiritual war is done and how they operate on two emotions in that world hate and fear they hate all humans and they fear their boss. There's no love in there at all. And that's why he has enforcer enforcing the, the rules of the satanic world. It is a world without love. There's no love at all there. It is operated by fear and hate. They hate all humans and they fear their boss. They fear him. Now, people. Don't pay any attention to this. But Satan, show you how devious he is, took one-third of the angels of heaven with him in his rebellion. What did that tell you? When you think about this, there's no dummies in the angel corps. And yet he deceived one-third of the angels. How did he do it? This tells about his ability. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says he's the god of this world. That word god is not a name. It's title. It's translated translated from the Greek word theos from which we get our word theology. The definition of English, English in English is divine ruling magistrate high potentate. Think about that. That's his title. Divine means Set apart, put above. Ruling magistrate. Who is a ruling magistrate? One that has authority by law to control the conduct of those under his jurisdiction. That's why Satan says, 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, verse 26, he can take any lost person at will. He's a divine ruling magistrate. Not long ago, I had a lawyer call me from New York. He says, I have a, a man up here charged with murder. He's got a copy of your book, Demons, Eyewitness, and Recount. It says in there, the devil can make people do what he wants. He wants you to come up here and testify that the devil made him do it. I said, well, I, if you send me a subpoena, I'll come up here and testify what the Bible says. Just what I wrote, what it says. He says, okay. Two weeks later, he called me back. He says, I said, he said, I'll get the subpoena. Two weeks later, he called me. I said, the judge, get out of here, man. I ain't opening that can of worms in this court. (laughs) But he let me see the God of this world at work. And he is a God. All them people out there serving him, and don't know it. They don't know it. The strongest one are his princes. They're at the top. They're from the giant warring order of demons. They, they, they were actually actually um, uh, a- angels who, who fell with him. And uh, angels are, you know, they got some angels that look like animals, some that looks like birds. They're they all described in the Bible. The and uh, they got the, the guardian angel looks just like a human being. And this is why Revelation says, I mean, um, Hebrews says, when you, deal with an- when you deal with strangers, be careful. Many times you deal with angels unaware.
2: Now, Brother Howard, you, you good works, you took in abused children. Uh, you were a police officer. You served. But something happened where he said your works weren't acceptable to
1: him. Yes. He says, <clears throat> Well, when 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 I stood before him to plead my case, see, the angels brought me there to plead my case, because I all the time I kept asking, him, "Is he gonna let me live?" I knew that my spirit had been crossed, had crossed the veil. Flesh and blood can't go there, and I knew the only way I could come back, God would have to permit it. At the moment, and I kept asking the angels every time. I, I, I still, no matter what I saw, I still was in love with this old piece of clay. And so they brought me there and let me plead, brought me to the gate. They wouldn't let me, I didn't go in. I came to the gates of the third heaven, and, and they, they told me, I watched 50 saints being permi- permitted to enter the gates of heaven, but they didn't let me go in. They, said, they, they, they stopped me, the angel stopped me there and says, well, I got to the gate, and he says, if you go in, you can't come out. You've got to stay till he brings you back. I said, if I can't come out, then that means my phys- physical life is over. And you told me I could ask him. Angel said, you can't ask him, but you stand outside this gate and ask him. And so I did. I came and I, 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 I was allowed to plead my case. So and I was, uh, my, I was, I was, I was pleading to God I couldn't see, but I knew it, it was total silence while I pled my case. I was telling him, all I reminded him of all my good works. I told him about all the things that I'd done, all the things that—that's what I was basing on on my my good work. I told him about all of that, <clears throat> and when when I, he was never said a word till I finished. When I finished, then he answered me in a voice that sounded like thunder. It wasn't anything like the voice that Satan had used on him. He says. He started, I'm going to try to quote verbatim exactly what he says. Your faith is dead. Your works are in vain. The life that you lived and offered to me as a life of Christian service is an abomination that I rejected in the Pharisee. What made you think I would accept it from a Laodicean type Christian? In fact, untold millions are living the same kind of life that you lived and they stand in danger of my everlasting wrath, unquote, the living God. I couldn't believe he was talking to me. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I just told him about all my good works, what I'd done, you know. And and, and I said, no, Lord, don't you wait. You don't understand. He said, you didn't do those works for me. You did them for a false God. I said, Lord, I worked for you. I called you Lord every day. Yes, you did, but you never made me Lord. What a difference. To call him Lord gives him a title. To make him Lord promotes him to ruler of life. Who is your Lord? But Lord, I was serving you. No, you wasn't. You served a false god. Then he named him Satan's number one selling false god. S-E-L-F. Instantly. I knew everything he said was true. Had he reached down and picked me up and dropped me in hell, I would have said amen. But I couldn't move. I'm laying on my face in the Spirit. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. They came and angels came and took me away. They took me out and let me regain my composure and brought me back and let me plead the second time. Second time, I never opened my mouth. Then he began to talk to me in a compassionate tone as he said to me, Suddenly I realized, this is my father, and I hurt him. He was hurting for me. The God that created all of this was hurting for me. The smallest insignificant piece of flesh that he had, he was hurting for me. Nothing mattered now. I didn't ask him for my life. I didn't ask him for anything else. But when this life meant nothing, he gave it back. Sent me back to do what I'd done. Pay, give me a five-point message for the church and give place two restrictions on it. Restriction one was that I was not to ask anybody to hear this because he was sending me to his church. I didn't know what, it, what was his church, but he knew which one was his church. He was sending me to his church. All I had to do was go wherever I'm asked. When I get an invitation, put it down. Get to it when I can. And if I'm not supposed to go there, he'd close the door. But if he opened the door, no man would close it. And that's where it's been ever since. The five-point message he gave me, the point one, this is, number one point, this is the Laodicean church age in which we live today. This is the Laodicean church age where the overwhelming majority of so-called Christians are just that, so-called. They're mouth professors and not heart professors. And unless they wake up, he's going to spew them out of his mouth. He promised to do that, you see. But he gave them a chance. In his word, he gave them a chance. If they wake up, if they wake up. Point number two, your adversary is a personal and powerful adversary, Satan the devil. He is, or he is anointed. Point number three, if you ever, ever expect to have any of God's power manifest in your life, you're going to have to live the life. Not talk it, you got to walk it. And point number four, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What he's saying there, keep your eye on the eastern sky because your redemption draweth nigh because we have reached the days of Noah once again. And we look in history and in the Bible to see how it was in the days of Noah. And we see that mankind had but two priorities, wealth and pleasure, wealth and pleasure, wealth and pleasure. Everything else is secondary, That's where it was in the days of Noah. And he said it was going to be that day that way again. And we have reached that stage. Point number five. Now this is one that really, the main one, the one that he sent me back for. And a lot of people can't comprehend this. What he said was, let me go back to Matthew Matthew, in writing, was quoting John the Baptist when he said this in chapter chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will fairly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, so to speak, is going to come with fire. He's going to burn up the chaff in the the Christian. So a lot of people think that uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidence speaking in uh, in tongues. Well, it it might be. But by the same token, the real evidence is the fire burning the chaff out of the individual. And that's gonna take tribulation.
2: How would you summarize that fifth point then? The fifth point is the the baptism
1: baptism of the Holy Spirit. True baptism of the Holy Spirit. We got some people that come to church and talk in tongues all day, and go to the honky tonk first thing Monday morning. You know who they are. You know who they are. But the fire is coming. The true baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to bring fire into the chair for the life of the individual. That's your five points for the church.
2: And that was the message the Lord gave to you. Right. You come right. To share.
1: The five-point message to the church, and the fun, fun, I didn't know where the church was because everything it calls itself is church is not a church.
2: Brother church. Howard, you talked about you saw a certain amount of people die and enter heaven, but yes, at the same time, how many? What was it the Lord showed you about the people that didn't make heaven?
1: Ninety-seven percent didn't make it. Two thousand. They showed me. His harvest for 15 minutes, span of time, 15 minutes, span of time. They occurred August 3rd, 1979, from where the paramedic judged my body to be dead until it arrived at the hospital. In that 15 minutes, 50 I, I was allowed to see 50 saints that go into heaven. That was the sum total of his harvest on the planet Earth for 15 minutes, span of time. In that same 15 minutes, 1,900. And, and, and uh, more people died. 950 more died. Only 50 out of 2,000 made it. Two and a half percent. Dovetails with just exactly what he said in Matthew 7. For many will say to me in that day, but Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? Have we done many marvelous works in your name? In your name have we done all this work? And he will say, depart from me and I renew you, your worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You were never saved. Not that you were saved one day and turned you back. You, I never knew you. You were never mine. Two and a half percent. Now, they let me see that because on August 3rd, 1979, that was the condition of the planet Earth. Had that been the day the trumpet would have blown so loud it would wake the dead, he would have got two and a half percent of the population of the world. Two and a half percent. He, he, tour, he allowed me to tour the second heaven, which is Satan's kingdom. He allowed me to tour the whole kingdom and see the different spirits that, that, that it has. And uh, that was the first thing because I was weak. I was weak in, in that training. I, uh, you know, sometimes I remember in the seminary, we had professors come and tell us one time, teaching how to go to heaven was like climbing the mountains. They got somebody come up that side, somebody up this side, somebody up this. But when they get there, they're all at the top. Well, that, right now, that's a doctrine that's very popular in the Christian church. You, be, you know you're a good old boy, you're gonna make it, and all that stuff. God loves you, don't worry about it. Hey, we got the devil under his feet, and he's laughing all the way to the bank.
0: After the angel showed Daniel everything that would happen until the end, the prophet Daniel said, Lord, what will be the outcome of all this?" But he said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are to remain secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will purify, cleanse, and refine themselves, but the wicked will keep on acting wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those with discernment will understand. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I leave a link in the description box below that you can go down to and click on. Click on that link, it will take you to a page where you can pray a prayer, a simple prayer, and when you mean it in your heart and surrender your life to Christ and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, you will be born again. You will be saved and that will be the start of a new life in Christ. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to all of you watching this video. I want to say to all of our supporters, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I pray that all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And for those of you who are struggling right now and maybe hurting and maybe going through some real bad trials, I want you to know that God loves you and he will never leave you or forsake you if you put your trust in him. He is a great, good God and he loves you. That's why he sent his only son, to die in your place, to take all of the sin upon himself so that you would have an opportunity to trust in him. Think about it.